0: So, Second Timothy in chapter three, and we're just going to look at verses fourteen through seventeen today. Hey, Dasha, can you turn this up just a little bit, please? Second Timothy, chapter three, and verses fourteen through seventeen. This is probably one of the most important scriptures that reveals the, the importance of the word of God. And so I hope that you will uh, take it to heart today and you'll examine even your own devotional life. We had a good discussion this morning in our uh, discipleship class about devotional life, and hopefully this will work to that end as well. Let's look together. Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And Paul, he writes to Timothy, And he says, Timothy, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Very important. Verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, all right? Really, if you don't have this verse highlighted, especially 16 and 17, good verses to memorize, to put to your heart, we need to know the power of the Word of God, and we need to let it do a work In our life. I want to start off with this one with a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And again, if you don't know about him, he was a pastor who lived in Germany during Nazi times and was actually uh, taken captive because of his faith. And he writes, uh, he says, because I am a Christian, therefore, every day in which I do not penetrate more deeply into knowledge of God's word in Holy Scripture is a lost day for me. I can only move forward with certainty upon the firm ground of the word of God. And as a Christian, I learn to know the Holy scriptures in no other way than by hearing the word preached and by prayerful meditation. <laughs> so there was a guy who was at his very trying, most trying time of his life. And he says, every day, I want to know the Bible. I want to know the word of God. And the way I get to know it is preaching and prayer. And so we want to think about those things even today as we try to digest God's word. Last week, we did uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 at the very beginning, and we looked at perilous times, right? And so what was kind of interesting is that sometimes people always talk about the idea that, well, these are the last days. These are the last days. Well, actually, Paul, when he wrote, those were the last days (laughs) because he was describing things that were happening in his time but they very much apply to us. And so if you want to see a good example of what a disciple should be, you can look at the beginning of chapter 3 and look at the opposite behaviors and characteristics of those that were mentioned. If we're going to fight in perilous times, we have to have the foundation of the Word of God. Hello? It's not going to be about YouTube or whoever the next self-help person, or what the next TikTok video is, or the next uh, high influential world leader, if we are going to have an impact, we need the foundation of the Word of God. Okay, so here's what I'm challenging you today. Are you in the Word? More importantly, are you in the Word the way the Lord wants you to be in the Word, right? Some of you have been given more. And God expects more. It's easy sometimes for us to just check off a little box, right? Oh, yep. Yeah. Opened up my little U verse today and watched the little video for the verse of the day. For some people, that's exactly what God wants. And for some people, God says, I need more than that. Are you tracking with me? You and I, speaking to the preacher here, we are responsible for what we've been given. And sometimes devotional life can be a little checkoff box, right? I said my God is good, God is great. Let us thank him for our food. <laughs> I read my daily bread. I'm picking on you guys. I appreciate all that you shared today. But sometimes we can just say, I did my little part. I can knock it off, and I'm done. And what I hear from the voice of Dietrich Bonhoeffer as he says, Every day, I got to get a little bit more from God's word. I need it desperately. Are you just setting the word of God aside? Some of you, maybe you're not even doing it. You come to church, and this is the time that you hear the word of God. And the message today is the word of God is alive. It's alive, and we need it in our life. What I shared this morning is that you need the word of God like you eat and drink. And most of you don't eat and drink just once a week. I mean, just being honest, looking at you now, right? He's like, oh, really? Come on, preacher. What if we feasted on the word of God like we feast on everything that we eat? What if we put as much into studying and knowing the word of God as we do into preparing our favorite meals, right? Make that comparison today. I need the word of God just like I breathe, Okay. And that's the challenge today. You can go back to sleep if you need to, but that was the point. We need the word of God in our hearts today. Let's start off and let's look at some powerful believers. And I want you to think of powerful believers in your life even today. Look down at verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Continue in what you learned. How many of you want something new? Don't you like new things? I'm always like new things. That's a problem with me sometimes. Oh, let me hear it in a different way. Let me get it in a different thing. What's the latest, next, best thing? What's the next feature? That's why I like technology so much. It's always changing. Give me the new thing. And sometimes we can do that in our... Spiritualized too, can't we, right? Oh, I've already heard that story. I've heard it a thousand times. Give me something different. Oh, that same old preacher preaching that same old thing. That wears me out. Give me something different, <laughs> right? Don't you feel like that? I do. Even preaching myself, I do. I was like, give me something different. But you hear what you Hear what the Lord is saying here? Continue in what you've learned, what you know. That's why it's okay if we do Advent every year. That's why it's okay that we come to Easter Every year, we come to Christmas every year. That's why it's okay we do John 3, 16 over and over and over again. Continue in what you've learned. It's good. The things that you know that have impact, don't hesitate to stay and to rest and to continue to be in those things. And then, this is what I love what he says, because you know those from whom you learned it. Does that resonate with anybody else here? Like as a kid in eighth grade, I went to co teach with my grandma Malone in her third grade Sunday school class. I know her faith. I saw it. I know from whom I've learned it. That really carries me on. My grandpa Malone, he worked the coal mines. He was an electrician for McDonnell Douglas Airlines, he was an electrician for Decatur Water Plant. He took nothing from the churches that he served, and he served churches from I think his 30s on till he passed away when he was about in his 90s. So I know whom I've learned it. He finished. He didn't just start in the middle. He finished. Other people I think about my life, Dr. Miley was a missionary to Ivory Coast. Dr. Odium, who was one of my favorite teachers in seminary. Dr. Gray Allison, if there was ever somebody who finished wrong, this man would live on four hours of sleep. Can I do that? Not I. <laughs> And his whole week was a story of personal evangelism. Who did he tell about Jesus that week? Like almost every day, he was telling someone about the Lord. He went and learned in a little seminary in New Orleans and ended up deciding to try to start a seminary in Memphis. And I think he started with seven or eight guys. And now I think there's about three to 400 people there in that seminary in Memphis just doing incredible things because of his faith and his work ethic. Again, have you seen people finish well? My friend Rick Crittermeyer, who I saw his, when his mom passed away and dealing with his dad and dealing with struggles and how he has stayed the course all these years. Uh, my friend uh, Robert this morning, who's not here today, have you seen the steadfastness of Robert Watkins? Whew, that man is not quitting, is he? Right? Can we see Jesus in the lives of these others and how they finished And can we be those people then? Can that help us finish well? Keep in what you have learned because you know those whom you learned it. Who have you learned it from today, right? Think about those people today. Let them be an encouragement to you to finish strong. He tells Timothy, he says, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. So I shared this morning in Sunday school that the worst sins I've ever done, I've done as a Christian because I became a Christian at six. And so you'll hear people tell stories sometimes, you know, about well, I love this is Wayne Watson. I might have shared this with you before. He used to say, you know, well, uh, I could tell you about all the women I had been with, and I could tell you about the drugs and the alcohol and the rock and roll lifestyle. But if I did, I'd be lying, (laughs) because that wasn't he was saved at a young age. That wasn't what he went through, but he still had incredible struggles. Paul tells Timothy, you can be glad that you've known the scriptures from. Infancy. There's two boys in the back right that better be listening right now. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You guys have had the scriptures from such a young age, you have a little more responsibility than someone who got them when they were 40. But that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, right? Think about all the decisions that you can make if you've been given the truth at an early age. So we shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that we get the scriptures early on and we should do our best to deliver them. To the kids in our church, even as Vicky was having us pray for them today. What do the scriptures do for us? Look at the very end there of verse uh, 15. They make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. When Paul was telling Timothy this, what were the scriptures? Did he have this? No, he didn't have this, did he? What did he have? You haven't even thought about that, some of you, have you, right? (laughs) What did they have? They had scrolls. And did everybody just flip out their phone and go to the latest scroll? Right? We talked about, again, that the the benefits that we have today are just incredible, all the tools that we have and all the access that we have. How would I know what was in the scriptures? I couldn't just go down to the local library and, and unroll the scroll. It was very limited who had access. So I had to be a part of synagogue in order to hear the truths of God. And then I had to try to memorize and share the stories of the word of God so that I could live in those truths. Do you guys realize how crazy blessed you are? Man. What do you think Elijah would do today if he walked into your house and he went up to one of your bookshelves and he pulled out this book, and he went, and all the dust blew everywhere, and he opened it up, and he says, what is this? And you said, oh, that's a Bible, and he's like, well, what is the Bible? Oh, it's the words of God, and God gave us these letters so we could hear directly from him. You what? You have the words of God, and it's like, aren't you reading it all the time? Aren't you memorizing it? Aren't you sharing it? How in the world can you have the very words of God? And then you decide that you're not going to read them. Whoa! Do you know how blessed you are? We don't think that way, do we, right? Because we have, how many copies of the Bible do you have in your house? I bet you the pens have maybe 20. Right? Hear me out today. This is the living, powerful word of God. And sometimes we're just like, ah. It's okay. This is more interesting over here, right? Spend time in the Lord's word. Oh, boy, I'm just challenging you guys today and myself as well. And live up to what God has called you to do. This is from Haddon Spurgeon. You guys, this one's really for Megan as much as anybody. But I want you to hear this quote. Megan's like, what? This is good. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. If you guys know Mr. Spurgeon, Pastor Spurgeon. He was a very staunch Baptist preacher but I want you to hear what he says about all of the systems and of being Calvinist and Arminian and all these kind of things. Listen to what he says. It has been my earnest endeavor ever since I preached the word never to keep back a single doctrine which I believe to be taught of God. It is time that we have done with the old and rusty systems that have so long curbed the freeness of religious speech. The Arminian trembles to go an inch beyond Arminius or Wesley. And many a Calvinist refers to John Gill or John Calvin as any ultimate authority. But look what he says here. It is time that the systems were broken up and that there was sufficient grace in all our hearts to believe everything taught in God's word, whether it was taught by either of these men or not. If God teaches it, it is enough. If it is not in the word, away with it, away with it. But if it be in the word, agreeable or disagreeable, systematic or disorderly, I believe it. Woo, that's good, isn't it? Don't give me your systems. Don't give me your party. Don't give me your little political place. If it's in God's word, I'm going to preach it and teach it and understand it and do my best to live it. That is so powerful to me because we get in this camp, and this camp, and this ideology, and this ideology, and Spurgeon says, I don't care about ideology. I care about what's in the Word of God. That is good. If Megan has the opportunity, she had a little thing this Wednesday. She showed me about some people accuse Baptists, especially, of worshiping the Bible. Megan, if you get a chance, share that with some of our people so they can see it. It is such a great argument when you see that. No, We don't worship the Bible. We worship the creator rather than the creature, right? You guys, we need to do away with ideologies and focus on the truth that is the word of God. For Charles Spurgeon to say that is amazing to me. All right, let's look at the power of the scriptures, and then we'll wrap it up here today. Verse 16, if you don't have this one memorized, I encourage you to really think about putting this one to heart. This is NIV here. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What else is God-breathed? Life. You are. What? (laughs) You are. God-breathed. God-breathed into you and gave you life. And here's the difference between this book and any other book. The word of God is alive. A Christian university student shared a room with a Muslim and they became fast friends and their conversation turned toward their beliefs. The believer asked the Muslim if he'd ever read the Bible. He answered no, but then he asked the Christian, had he ever read the Quran?" And the believer responded, well, no, I haven't, but I'm sure it would be interesting. Why don't we read both together once a week, alternating books? Well, the young man accepted the challenge and their friendship deepened and during the second term, The young Muslim became a believer in Jesus. One evening later in the term, he burst into the room and he shouted at the longtime believer, you tricked me. What are you talking about? The believer asked. The new believer opened his Bible and said, I've been reading it through like you told me, and I just read that the word is living and active. He grinned. You knew all along that the Bible contained God's power and that the Quran is a book like any other. I never had a chance. (laughs) Amen? You guys, let the word do the work. I know you're scared sometimes. You don't know what to tell people, and you don't know how to to have all the right theology terms. Memorize the word of God and speak those words. Share John 3.16. Share Romans 3.23. Share 2 Timothy 3.16. Let that living word of God work. Put it up in your screensaver, on your phone, in your office cubicle, in your home. Let the living word of God do its work, and it will. Amen? All right, what does the word of God do for us? Real quick here. It teaches us. It is profitable for doctrine or teaching. In order to avoid what is wrong, we need to know what is right. Amen? we got decisions to make about spouses and houses and cars and animals and jobs. And in order to know what's right, we need the word of the Lord. Scripture teaching is paramount. It is the lens from which we view the rest of the world. Again, not worshiping the Bible, but worshiping the creator. Not only does the Bible teach us what is right and true, it rebukes us. Have you ever been rebuked? We do a lot of rebuking of the uh, little German shepherd in our house, but she doesn't seem to take well to rebuking. Stop, down, quit. You ever hear verbs like that? Imperative verbs, right? Just like, boom, stop. Guess what? If you're in the word of God, sometimes the word of God will do that to you too. Stop, change, quit, be quiet, stand up get going. Those words like that, if you'll be in God's word, it will rebuke you sometimes. Rebuking is not fun, is it, right? But it is necessary in our lives. The word of God, the inspired word of God, that God-breathed word, it is profitable, it is good for teaching, but it is good for rebuke. And you need to be in it so that you can be rebuked as you need to be it is good for correcting. Now, if you allow me this little penology, but I think the correcting is the positive side of rebuking, all right? The rebuking is quit it, stop it. <laughs> the, the correcting in our house with the German shepherd, to go back to that analogy, is the apple bitter, sh- sh- spray in her mouth, <laughs> and then try to tell her to do what's right, okay? Same thing at the word of the Lord. You get the rebuke sometimes, but then you need to go, okay, I'm not going to go this way, but what am I supposed to do? right? Where am I supposed to go? How am I supposed to make this decision? And that correcting power of the word of God makes those changes and helps us make good decisions in our lives. Again, I want to ask you this morning, are you making decisions based on the truth of Jesus revealed through the scriptures? And then finally, that word of God is good for instruction, a system of discipline that leads to a holy lifestyle. The Bible will teach you. God didn't leave you without a manual. He gave you one, right? And that's why we meet together. That's why you need to be studying together. That's why we're going to do Wednesday nights and have these really intense conversations about what's broken in us. And the Lord will instruct us. He will teach us if we will humble ourselves. What is the purpose of all these things? Look down at verse 17, thoroughly furnished. We have the word of God. We have the truth in the scriptures of God so that the man or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All right, look at this next thing here. I want you to think about this sentence or these phrases with me this morning. If you want to be a completely prepared Christian, you need to be completely immersed in the Word of God. It will prepare you for every good work. Think about our Ukrainian brothers and sisters today. Some of them have never held a gun. They've never made a Molotov cocktail, right? <laughs> what are they doing? Isaiah shared, We saw some of them were going on YouTube to learn how to do these things, right? Because there's not enough time for training. They need training so that they can be completely prepared to meet the challenge that is before them, right? You guys, do you think there's any challenges coming anyway for these boys or that young woman up there or even our young adults here? The challenges are coming, aren't they, right? They need to be prepared. I'd rather them be getting prepared now than face it and be like, oh, I better flip to YouTube and see how I'm supposed to handle the situation today. <laughs> Wouldn't it be good if they had been grown along the whole way that they could make the right decision at the right time? That is the importance of the Word of God. That's why we're not going to go talk self-help and all this other mumbo-jumbo. We need to know the truth of the Scriptures, and they need to know it in their hearts, and they need to see it lived out in you. Did you hear that? When the difficult times come your way, they're going to be watching you. They're going to see how you dealt with it. They're going to know you weren't perfect, but they're going to see, did you humble yourself in that situation to ask the Lord for help and see him work in your life? You guys, we have to mentor and model what it is to be in the word of God. If you want to be prepared, you've got to be immersed in the word of God. And then that promise is so good. It will prepare you for every good work. And we are about doing good works. Uh, Christian Johnson has this quote, it's real simple. It says, a Bible that's falling apart probably belongs to someone who isn't. Right? Are you in the word of God? Very simply today. First off, have you been reading God's word? Let's start there. You got to begin there, right? Are you putting God's word in your heart and in your mind every day? Second, Have you been learning God's word? So you may have been reading it. Are you learning it? Are you sticking it in your heart? Are you memorizing some scriptures? Are you using some devotionals? Are you around small group studies where you're you're trying to understand it and grab hold of what it means? Maybe using study books and listening to messages. And then the most important thing is that third one. Have you been using God's word? Right? That's the question. You can read it and not use it. You can get all kinds of tools and self-helps, and you can even memorize it. But if you don't use it, what's the use, right? Are you using the word of God? All right, final illustration. And believe it or not, it's from Steve Arterburn. (laughs) He says, in More Jesus, Less Religion, Steve Arterburn writes, Some time ago, I read about the work of a Wycliffe Bible translator in a remote village in Papua New Guinea. When the opening chapters of Genesis were first translated into the native language, the attitude toward women in the tribe changed overnight. They had not realized or understood that the woman had been specially formed out of the man. Without even hearing this concept developed, these people immediately grasped the ideas of equality between the sexes and began adjusting their behavior. The people heard, they believed, they obeyed, they changed. Just like that. That change doesn't mean everyone in the tribe immediately came to faith in Christ, however. While they immediately recognized the respect God has for both men and women, the members of this tribe had their own hard to abandon gods and superstitions. One of the practices was to spit on the wounds of the sick. Their medicine men were known as the spitters, and they did not want someone like Jesus to take away their status in the village. However, the attitude changed as more of the Bible was translated into the tribe's dialect. When translators read the passage where Jesus cured a blind man in a most unusual way, the medicine men perked up their ears. The master spit on the ground, made a paste of mud, and put it in the man's eyelids, told told him to wash it off, and the man was healed. When these tribesmen heard this story in their own language, They saw that Jesus was not against them, but for them. They found one of their own, a Savior, who was also a spitter. And they came to the Lord because of this connection. (laughs) There is power in the word of God. It's alive. Do you believe it? Then let it, let it go. Let it come out of your mouth. Let it come out of your life. Let people hear it. When we're concerned about our loved ones and we don't know what to say or how to pray, let scripture reign. You guys, even in my work, when people have uh, resigned or retired or moved on, many times I have put scripture in the email that I sent to all of our team and let that living word of God do another piece of work in the rest of those people. Read it, learn it, and then use it. Amen. Let's stand this morning.